something so real it can't be nothing but real. I said I'm a Christian not because I grew up in a, in a church and my dad was a pastor. I'm a Christian because I met Jesus and he changed my life. And I found a friend in him and I found a strength in him and he pulled me out of the miry pit and he set my feet on a rock and he changed my life. I said one day you'll know that. And he's like, wow. <laughs> he just went away and later on after that funeral come and gave me a hug he said thank you for spending time with me and talking to me. I needed to hear that. You know, because there's something real about God that is so real that sometimes we have to remind ourselves that we are only passing through this earth. Amen? We're pilgrims. And that there's something about the eternity and there's something about God that is more real than the things that we do all week long. Aren't you glad that God's more real than your job? <laughs> I am. You know, and there's times I like my job, there's sometimes I don't. It's a job. They call it work because it's work. You know, they call it a job because it is a job. You know, they don't call it recess or playtime or hunting <laughs> for some of us. You know, that'd be too easy. I'd show to work every day of the week if it was like hunting, you know. But God's more real than that. He's more real than the things we're facing. He's more real than some of the nonsense our government's in today. Praise God. He's more real than that. God's so real that one day we'll never even think of Fox News again or CNN There'll be no Democrats or Republicans in heaven. They'll either be Christians, and that's it. Amen. Either you believe or you don't. All that's going to go away. And today I want you to, if you have your Bible, I want to look at something today that, that the Lord has been really working uh, in me and been doing some studying on. And, and in here I'm going to look at 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 5 through 8. And I'm going to talk about overcoming the enemy, overcoming the lion, because... There's something very powerful about this that a lot of times if believers do not catch this, they will constantly be beat up, they'll constantly be tormented all their Christian life. In fact, many times, have you noticed how many people come to Jesus and don't make it? A lot of times what it is is they don't realize the reality they're walking into. In fact, uh, one of the Gallup, uh, uh, George Barna, one of the polls he did says 60% of Christians that he, he did the poll with didn't believe that there was an actual real devil that we actually had a real enemy. You know, if you don't even understand we have an enemy, you, you're not going to win. You're going to lose. If you think this is just something where I'll just be spiritual and I say my prayer and I go into heaven one day and that's all there is to it, you're not going to win. You're going to be beat up your whole life. And so many times uh, I had one man years ago ask me that. He, said, he told me, he said, every time I serve Jesus, it's like all hell breaks loose and everything comes against me. And, and it did. I said, it does. And I said, do you know why? He said, no. I said, because basically uh, you've been living for the devil and the devil likes it that way. And every time you stop living for him and you start living for Jesus, you find out you have an enemy who hates you and he'll try to come at you with everything you have. And he'll try to get you so discouraged you'll walk away from life and you'll walk into hell one day where he can win and you'll lose everything. Any dead fish can, can float downstream. But it takes a real fish to go upstream. And, and in this life, we have to understand there's a real battle going on. And I, I, I want to talk about some things about the enemy, but as I do, I want you to understand I'm not in a place where I'm glorifying the enemy, but I want us to understand some things because if we don't understand, we're going to lose. If we don't begin, in fact, it tells us we need to be wise, don't we? We should know the schemes of the enemy. We should be wise to those. We have to. So I'm going to start off in 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 5 through 8. It says, likewise, you younger people, submit yourself to your elders. Yes, all of you be submissive one to another and be clothed with humility, for God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your cares upon him, for he cares for you. Be sober and vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking those that he may devour. Listen, there's, there's something about it. Well, we need to understand that there, there is a real enemy and he is walking around seeking for those that he may devour. And that's Christian and non-Christian alike. He is seeking for those. In fact, uh, one of the things that, that you, 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 when you get in your word and you study, which is so important, is you find that when you study God and you study his names, you find out who his character is. So when I study Jehovah Shalom, what is he? He is the God of peace. 
Jehovah, Jehovah Jireh. We go through all the different things. But they all mean something. Christ, the anointed one. We find out who he is. Listen, there's a part where you need to know your enemy as well. And when you come against some things, you need to understand that, that when it says things, when it says like in the Bible, when it says Satan, many times Satan has to do with being the adversary of God or the adversary of, of man. He is, he's against you. Satan is never for you. Satan will not deal with you. Any deal he makes with you is a lie. He's going to destroy you. He's your adversary. In fact, it says in there that he's the Antichrist. The Antichrist means he's against God, but not just against God, but he replaces God. That's the Antichrist. And you begin to find out things about him. The word devil means accuser or slanderer. How many found out that Satan's good at accusing and slandering? He's awesome at it. In fact, his goal is to accuse and slander in such a way that he destroys every good relationship in your life. Every relationship that God can redeem you in, Satan will try to destroy. He'll try to destroy your family. Why? Because there's redeeming qualities in your family. There's something redeeming about when, fa when fathers are fathers and mothers are mothers. There's something redeeming about that. He's trying to destroy it. There's something redeeming about relationships with church. He'll try to destroy that. He'll try to destroy relationships with the pastor. Um, you ever find that true, Glenn? <laughs> I liked how he talked about that, that ant. You know, ah, oh, I don't want to see that. I don't want to talk to him. Or you ever have that in your mind when you hear Glenn preaching sometime? And you're like, how did Glenn know what I'm doing? <laughs> he is just picking on me today, and he made this message because he knew I would be here today. I'm going to tell you right now, Glenn, Glenn is, is, a, is a great man, but he's not that smart to go around and figure out. Is that okay, Glenn? Because I'm not that smart. I'm not that smart. I, you know, I, I just, I, I'm trying to walk with God myself and figure out how to keep right and, and, and do the things that he has to do. I don't have time to go and spy on everybody's life and figure out what they, what they should be doing and what I need to preach on Sunday. You know, that's, that's left up to somebody else, I guess. You know, but it, it just doesn't happen. But he's an accuser. And here, in the Word, it begins to talk to him that he is, he is as a roaring lion. And, and Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 18 says, Because of their understanding was darkened, being alienated from the life of God, because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the blindness of their heart. Listen, there is something that, that happens that if we're not careful, we can come into this relationship with Christ and say, Man, Jesus is my everything. But when it comes to Satan, we become ignorant. How many know you can, have, you can be saved, but just being saved doesn't mean you're going to be successful? There's a lot of saved people who are screwy. Don't look around and do not point fingers. <laughs> we don't want to get going in that today, please. You know, I love Jesus, but when you see them out of church, you're like, boy, they're goofy. <laughs> you know, and are you doing, because why? Because just because I'm saved doesn't mean that my family's redeemed. Why? Because somewhere I have to get to know the, the, what, what, what's God and what's not God in my family. And, and here's the thing is, is that if I begin to walk with Jesus and I, Satan begins to attack me and I don't even know there's an enemy, I'm not even putting my guard up. I like to know who my enemy is. Why? Because it's important. And there's many ones who walk in the place where they're constantly beat up. They're constantly having a hard time because they think the devil is somewhere off, somewhere else. And listen, when I say the devil or Satan, or I say he walks about like a roaring lion, I'm not talking about just one being. Lucifer, we know, is cast out of heaven. He's Satan, the devil. But a third of heaven was cast out with him, a third of the angels. Every one of them angels carry the attribute of Satan. Every one of those angels carry the attribute of the destroyer, of the evil one, of the Antichrist. Every one of them is a snake. There's something about that, but we need to understand it's a spirit. There's a spiritual battle we're fighting. All the things we see here today will pass away, but the spiritual things will not. Even Satan won't pass away. He'll be in hell forever. Every man and woman and child is spirit, and they'll either be in heaven or hell forever. There's an eternity attached to who we are. So those things will never be, you know what, the chairs we're in, our nice cars, all our hunting stuff will be gone, you know, and we won't care. <laughs> we won't care. It'll be just so awesome in God. But he is a roaring lion, and he seeks, it says in here that, that he's a roaring lion. Understand that one of the things about Satan is, is that he has come to destroy. He has not come to play. Satan is not a liquor, and he's not a snacker. He's a devourer. 
And when Satan comes after somebody, understand that when he gets, has, and I'm going to get into how he has permission, but if he has permission to come in and destroy somebody, if he can come in, and I'll, I'll pick on Sai because Sai is, he's here today. I, I thought he was going to be gone. I was really feeling hurt. No. <laughs> he come back just so I couldn't say nothing. <laughs> but Sai, let's say if, if Sai opens himself up and the devil destroys him, listen, it just don't destroy Sai. It hurts his wife. And Sai's got children, and he's got grandchildren, great-grandchildren, all coming behind him. He, what, Satan wants to destroy them all. He ain't just after Sai. If I can take out Sai, I can get a foothold in that family. There's power in that. If I can take out somebody, why do you think divorce is one of the highest things around? Because if I can destroy family, I can hurt more people. If I can destroy family, there, there's so many people playing around, even in the, in, the, in the church world, playing around with alcohol. I'm telling you where we are, we don't, there's no playing around. We watch people die every day. We've been burying people in their 30s and high 20s with cirrhosis where their liver is blowed out from drinking. My wife was doing a funeral for a 24-year-old who got stabbed and died last week. Impartial, where we're at. And she looked so bad. She looked like she was about, uh, now if you're 40-something, please don't get mad at me. She looked like a 20-year-old who was like 40 years old and had a rough, rough life. Why? Because she was out there partying, drinking, doing drugs, and things got crazy and someone stabbed her. That's a rough deal. Listen, Satan's out to kill people. He ain't out to play. He ain't out to play. If there's a way he can destroy, he will. He's called the adulteress that hunts the life of the precious one, and that's who he is. He's hunting the life of our children all the time. And how does he do that? He'll start with the parents, he'll attack them, and he'll try to find a way to, to destroy children and everybody. That's who he is. He has he not come to play. In fact, and it says in here, he's seeking those that he may devour. That word may devour is, is interesting because it's not talking about that he's allowed to devour. Satan is not allowed to devour everybody. He has to have permission. And there's a place that in my life, as I walk in the way that God has me walk, Satan does not have permission to devour me. He does not have that permission. He is not allowed to do certain things. But he looks for those who he has permission to devour. And, there's, and we're going to look at some of that because there, there's something about that. Uh, I was listening to some things and had some friends who went to Africa. And they, a lot of times in Africa, they have lions and and as they, they're out there, they'll even drive these Jeeps around lions and everything else, you know, and, and you can see them, and they're, they're, they're really quite interesting. And they'll ask these guides a lot of times, you know, how, how do you feel about these lions? Are you afraid of them? And they'll say, no, I'm not afraid of them. But I respect them, and I understand how they operate. And here's the thing. Somewhere, there's an enemy out there that we don't need to be full of fear about, but we need to understand how to operate around them. And we need to understand how the enemy works because if we understand some things, it will keep us out of that place of being devoured. See, Satan is out to destroy. And he's, he's good at it. He's done it for many, many, many years. In fact, I, couldn't, I can't preach this all in one message, so I'm just going to preach whatever and, and I'll let Glenn pick up, <laughs> pick up everything else. Uh, I'm always good at that. I do the shotgun approach. Just start shooting. You're never going to get nothing unless you shoot. That's a hunting tip. <laughs> I told that to Caleb for years. I said, just don't quit pulling until you're out of bullets. You know, we, we don't play around. We're going to get something. But, <laughs> but you have to know, and many believers are tormented because they never get in the place to understand how the enemy operates, and they leave a door wide open for the enemy to come in and torment them and devour parts of their life. I serve Jesus, but my family is in ruins. I serve Jesus, but my finances are just nothing. They're awful. They're worse than awful. What are you saying? You, you believe God will help you? I believe God helps you in every area of your life that you give to him. Every area you line up with him keeps it out of the mouth of the devourer. Every area that you don't, the devourer has permission to get into. He has permission. Pride, anger, fear, he's got permission. He's got permission to do those things. Not by just God, by you, by me. I give him permission. I give him permission. So I'm going to look at three areas. Well, hold on here. I'm going to look at uh, 
2 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 11. Um, is that verse I, I said earlier, but I just want to read it. It says, Lest Satan should take advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. Uh, we, we need to be sure that we know how Satan works. In fact, there's a couple key things, and I could preach whole messages on this. Here, here's one of them. If you're, if you're wrestling with pride, you've got to open door. Get rid of it. I don't care what kind. I don't care if, 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 you're, if you think you're right or not. If you're operating in pride, there's an open door for the devil. He has permission to deal and destroy things in your life, and he'll do it. I don't know how many Christians I've seen blow out of churches and come into nothing because pride takes over their life. All of a sudden, they know more than everybody. They know more than the pastor. They know more than everybody else in the world, and pride destroys them and their heritage. It destroys their legacy. See, there's certain things that we learn, and we, we're going to get, we have to become good at them. Now, one of the first things there, I'm going to look at three areas we need to understand about, about the enemy, the lion, especially the lion, is the first one is, is that the lions, they love to hunt at night. In fact, usually a lion will sleep during the day. There's sometimes you'll see them hunt at, during the day, but usually not. Usually they love darkness. And there's something about the enemy that th this is what he loves. In fact, in 1 John chapter 1 and verse 5, it says, This is a message you have heard from him, and I declare to you that God is light and there is no darkness in him at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we live a lie and do not practice the truth. And then here's, a, here's another one in 1 John chapter 2 and verse 9. It says, He who says he is in the light and hates his brother is in darkness until now. But he who loves his brother abides in the light, and there is no cause of stumbling in him. He who hates his brother is in darkness and walks in darkness and does not know where he is going because darkness has blinded his eyes. Listen, there's, there's something about it that the enemy loves operating in darkness. If you ever go on a safari, many times they, you, they'll take you into camps and they'll have huts and they'll have main huts. And, and when it gets dark out, they'll tell you, in fact, a lot of times you go on those safaris, they'll have you sign a, a waiver saying, if I'm killed on this safari, I do not hold them <laughs> responsible for my death. Uh, because it's a very real deal. Let me tell you something. In, in your Christian walk and in your walk here on, the, on this world, it's a real deal. There's a real enemy, and he's out to kill you. And the minute he can kill you, he'll kill you. The minute he can take your life, he'll do it. He'll take it, and he'll seize it, and he'll grab it. And there will be no coming back. He is a real enemy. He is a real devourer. But when they come into those, those different camps, a lot of times what they'll do is they'll put you in your hut and they'll say, okay, when it's time for, for supper, you're going to come over to the main building, but don't leave your hut. There'll be armed guards that come and get you. Because why? Because in the daylight, there's no lions in camp. In fact, in daylight, you'll see every other kind of animal that Africa has to offer probably. You'll see warthogs, you'll see birds, you'll see everything, but when it gets dark out, you won't. You'll see Things like leopards and lions and tigers begin to show up. Looking, lurking. They live for that nighttime. And it, it's something very real. Listen, in our life, physically, this is physically and spiritually. How many know that most crimes are committed during what? During the light or dark? During the dark. Why? Because evil loves the dark. Do you realize some people would have a better life if they went to bed at 10 o'clock and got up early? I mean, I, I, I mean, just, I mean, not, I, there's times I could stay up late and, and have fun, but I'm telling you, there's something about being out when it's dark. There's, all, there's almost like there's a restraint that begins to leave you. Anybody know what I'm talking about? There's a restraint that leaves you. Why? Because their light ain't there. We have a restraint when we're walking with Christ in the light, and there's something about it where that lion comes around, and he's like, I can't touch that. I cannot come into that light and begin to destroy because I don't have permission. There's nothing I can do. But in our life, now physically, if you want to stay out of problems, don't be just a night. Get away from the night. And this is just a basic deal. But now here's the thing spiritually. We've got to get out of the darkness and into the light. You say, well, well I, I serve Jesus. That's what I do. No, I'm, I'm talking about, here's the thing. When we begin to do things in our life that we know that we shouldn't do, and we begin to open up the door for the devil, we're walking in darkness. When I start to start doing things like I, I, I want to do something I know ain't right, and I got to lie to everybody and hide it, and do everything, I'm opening up a door for darkness. I got to hide what I'm doing. 
I've got to be secretive. I've, I've got to lie about people. I start gossiping. I start, we're opening up a door. to the, We're walking into something that's wrong. We're walking into something. I get into a place where pretty soon I find myself bad-mouthing people and doing everything else. You have opened the door. You're beginning to walk in a place of darkness. Listen, here, here's, a way, here's how you tell it. You begin to ask yourself, is this something that Jesus produces or is this something that Satan produces? Because Satan produces the works of darkness and Jesus produces the works of light. And if, it, if it's in that place, and I sat down with a couple young men uh, now, uh, a while back and they were in a place where they, they kind of left our fellowship but they were in a place where they begin to accuse everybody else. Well, that person ain't a Christian. And this person ain't a Christian. I'm the only real Christian. And I says, you know what? You sound a lot like the devil today. And they're like, what? I says, you sound exactly like the accuser of the brethren who stands before the throne of God. You do not sound like Jesus. I said, you're listening to the wrong voice. You have a door open for darkness, and it's going to take you if you don't stop. And it took them. In fact, one of them went back into drinking which he ain't drank for a long time. I'm sober for, for three, four years. He's right back on the bottle within a couple months. Why? Because he opened up a door. And how did that door start out? With darkness. He opened up a door where he began to, a pride began to come in. He, he felt he had a call of God on his life and pride began to come in and he began to be, I'm better than everybody else. Look at everybody else's wrong here and wrong there. And this one's wrong there. And he said, and, and you're wrong there because you need to go get after that Christian. <laughs> I was like, well, I've, I've not taken the, the role of Holy Spirit yet. So <clears throat> until the Lord really has me sit and have a good conversation out of, out of relationship with him, I'm not going to go in and tell him how he needs to run his life on every little thing. That's not my job. I said, here is my job. I'm his brother, and I'm going to love him. I'm going to walk with him. I'm going to encourage him. I see him. I see him growing every day. I'm not discouraged. I'm for him. And I'm sure not going to beat anybody up with what's coming out of you today. You know, I won't do it. That's the work of the devil, boys. And so we had a good talk. We haven't talked since, but <clears throat> that's okay. You know, I, <laughs> that used to bother me, Glenn. Uh, and, and, it, and it just don't as much. Because sometimes it, you, you have to shut the voice of the enemy. Don't be afraid to shut the voice of the enemy. And I've had some people who begin to be the voice of the enemy to me, and after a while I'll say, you need to stop being the voice of the enemy. You need to start getting on. What God has to say, or I don't want to hear what you got to say. I just don't need, I don't need a voice of the enemy all the time in my ear. I, I can have that without any people. Amen? Yeah. Like I do go drive in traffic through Minneapolis one time. <laughs> and you'll feel that voice of the enemy come up. That dirty, <laughs> rah, rah, rah. <laughs> you know, it, traffic does it. It's really good. Good therapy. I think that's why God has me driving all the time. In Psalms 119 and verse 105, it says, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Listen, God's word, God's truth, are we walking in the light? Because that light begins to be something. It begins to be, I can see where I'm going. That light begins to produce something where, you know what? I'm giving no way, no room for the devil to devour me when I'm walking in the light. Satan has no right to devour me. In fact, even when you, you think about that, you think about the, the book of Job, and, and Job, uh, in short, Job, uh, God said, hey, why don't you try Job? You can't kill him, but you can do anything else. And he said, well, you know, Job was the most righteous man, yeah, but understand, Job had an open door for the enemy to attack him. And when you read through the story of Job, Job had to do some changing and repenting from the way he was viewing things, because Job also thought he was quite righteous. And Job thought, thought some things. And in fact, at one point, God got after him. He says, well, tell me, Job, do you know where snow comes from? Have you seen the shimmering the door of death? Have you been there? No? Well, then maybe you should listen to what I'm saying, because I have. Job had a little bit of pride in his life. And by the end of Job, it was gone. But Satan had no way of attacking him except... He began to open up a door to pride, and pride is, is darkness. Pride is darkness. In fact, Satan fell from heaven because of what? Pride. People become more like Satan than ever when they got pride ruling their life. It's part of his character. When you see someone with pride operating, there's a demonic thing operating in their life as well, and, and he's there to destroy. So <clears throat> we have to be careful that we don't have any open doors we have to get, be careful that we're walking in the light. The second one, 
One of the things about the enemy is that he does not, the roaring lion, he's, he doesn't like to attack crowds. Uh, even when you're on a safari, what's interesting is, is that uh, they can take you on these jeeps and they're open-top jeeps. You sit in seats. You can reach out and touch the trees. There's, there's nothing there. You can go by those pride of lions and those lions sometimes will even come up against the jeep and they'll rub up against it. And they'll look at people. And they could eat you in a second. A lion could have you dead in a matter of seconds. You wouldn't know what happened. It's how powerful they are. But they never attack because they don't attack a crowd. And it has to do with the way that their eyes work and the way they view things. Here's the here's thing about lions is lions pick out a single form, someone who's off by themselves, and that's what they kill. Even when they charge, we watch the, the Wilderness Channel, and you see them where they sneak up on this. Like, I always love watching that anyways. <laughs> that's the only time I like to watch. I root for the lion in that one, but uh, not, not with Christians. But anyways, the lions sneak up on these, this herd of wildebeest, and you know why they sneak up? They sneak up so they can jump up, and they bring fear, and they scare them. And as they scare and rush them, what happens is, is that a couple stragglers get left behind, and then they surround them stragglers and kill them. They do not attack a crowd. And, 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 and in that truck, when they come up to that truck, they don't see just uh, individual people sitting on top of a truck. What they see is this big monster thing with all kinds of stuff. It don't really smell good, and it's too big for them to kill anyway, so they just kind of check it out. But they don't attack it. One of the biggest things the enemy loves and, and, and when he has the most sway is when he gets people by themselves. In fact, one safari I heard of, a man was there and they were telling him the same thing that I'm telling you. And he was there and he was a guy, I believe he was, he was from a different country. And the lions went off a little bit and he stepped off the truck. And he stepped out to take a picture. And the moment he did, a lion killed him right in front of his family. In a second, those lions went from being docile to killing in a second. Understand, you have an enemy. And if that enemy can get you isolated, if he can get you there by himself, if he can get you out there where you're not hanging around Christian people, say, so there's a different deal. When you come together, it says, where two or three are gathered in my midst, there I am in the middle. And there's something about when you come together in fellowship, but you begin to, to have relationships, you begin to have things. It says that one person can put, ten th put a thousand demons to flight, but when two will actually walk together, they can put 10,000 to flight. Listen, if you begin to do the numbers, it gets astronomical very quickly. When you have four or five people walking together, you can move mountains. Why? Because there's something about unity in the faith and when you begin to walk in it there's a power and there's a strength the enemy cannot overcome you but you can overcome him and when Satan Satan is someone says well Satan can come into church yeah he does I even know his name a couple times <laughs> but he doesn't have no authority why because when we come together there's something about it where he it's like that truck he can come around and look around but he can't touch nothing why because he it's a crowd and here's the other thing is that when when me and si are walking together it ain't just me and si jesus is there with us and the devil can see supernaturally and the devil already knows he's been defeated by christ and there's no way he'll tackle christ he would kill me in a second but when christ is with me who can be against me nobody Nobody. See, there's something, there's something so powerful that if we begin to understand this, and how many times do you see the enemy work and work and work on people to get them out by themselves? Oh, if I can just have a, do a, a couple little things to them, I can get them by themselves. If I can get them frustrated, they don't get the, the healing they wanted that day, and they get frustrated. They don't get the answer to prayer they wanted, they get frustrated. They, something bad happens at work, they get frustrated. They get, you know, there's something where they, they someone, Glenn didn't recognize them in church the way that they thought that Glenn should recognize them. I'm going to tell you, tell you what, sometimes I, I'm, uh, I'm in my own little world, I don't recognize nothing. Jackie has to remind me, hey, you need to do that. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's right, yeah. I should pay attention. I could get back and be like Joshua and live in my bubble. <laughs> yeah. we, we, that's, that's one of our attributes in our family. We can live our own world when we want to. Uh, but what happens is, is that if he gets them separate, those two guys I talked about that, I, that went off in that conversation as they were getting they were getting upset and stuff and I was talking to him I said listen guys I love you you're your your brothers and I said I'm here 
And a lot of things you're saying, I know you don't understand what you're doing, and I know you're going to get beat up. I said, the enemy is going to really, he's going to tear you up, both of you. I said, but no, we're still here, and we still love you, and the door's open. And if you need something, you call me, and I'll still be there. I said, even though you guys are all bent out of shape, I know what's coming. And I know what's coming because it's in the Word of God. And you cannot violate relationships you cannot break godly relationships and do well in life. In fact, people, it says in the end times, they become covenant breakers. What happens is that's a, that's a downfall of society, and it has to do with darkness having its way instead of Christ. Listen, there's the ones who, who if, you're, if they're brothers and sisters in Christ, they should be that way your whole life. And if they fall away from Christ, guess what? They're still my brother. They're still my sister. I'm praying for them. And the first time they call... I'll come myself and get him. There are some even in this community that breaks my heart because they should be serving God, making a difference. Instead, they've been nothing but devil food the whole time, getting chewed on, gnarled on, destroyed, step by step. And it ain't just them. It's their children. They don't understand that yet. But the day is coming that if they make it that far, they're going to understand there's a destruction coming to their whole legacy if they don't stop and turn and get back into the light of God. It's coming. If they don't get back and get into, get into that place of unity, again, so many people get into that weird gospel, I can serve Jesus by myself without God's church. That's a lie that comes from Satan. That never come from God. I can serve God on my own. Well, two of us are gathered. Me and my wife will be our own church. Good luck with that. Who's going to cast out the pride and, and everything else out of the other one? You can't cast out something you're carrying. Amen, Pastor. That's why we need a body, isn't it? We need more than one. Because somewhere we can go to one and, and they can say, hey, uh, you're being kind of hard. Why don't you be a little kinder? <laughs> you know, that's, that's what Glenn used to tell me. Be kinder. No, we have to remind each other. That's why God gave us wives. And so we would be more passionate, compassionate. <laughs> you know, and, but there, there's something, what God brings the body to work together as members Look at God's plan. God's plan is never isolation. Satan's plan is isolation. And if I can isolate you from every redeeming relationship in your life, I can kill you. That's his voice. If I can isolate you from every redeeming relationship, if I can have your relationships be out there, if your relationships are more, are better out in the world than it is in, in God's kingdom, something's wrong and you need to get a hold of God. Something's got to change. Something's got to change. Why? Because there's something in me and it's called the light of God. And there's something in me that when I'm around friends, I can have a good time. I have some friends who, who don't know Christ, but on them, they're not the friends I can share life with. I, there's only so much I can do with them. And when I'm doing stuff with them, I'm doing it on purpose. And the purpose is this, that when they meet their maker, when they, when they die, I want them to stand before Christ and say, say, I do know you, Jesus. I do know you. I want to see them in heaven. That's my goal. My goal ain't just to have a good old time and laugh and laugh and laugh, and one day they die and go to hell. That's not my goal. That, that would be my failure, my failure. What an awful thing to get to heaven and have friends who be close to me and they're not in heaven because I was just having a good time with them instead of really being a friend to them. And a friend is what loves at all times. Greater, man, greater love has no man than, th than this than that he lays down his life for his friend. There's something about that that we, we've got to get to the place where, where, where we begin to, to pull back in that mindset. I hate that mindset. I'll serve Jesus by myself. That Lone Ranger thing is straight from hell. Why? Because Satan kills people that way. I've got two young men. The two I'm talking about, one of them's got a call on his life. The other one really does too. They'll never see the call of God. One of them is wrestling back with addiction again already. After about three years of being sober, he's back in addiction. Why? Because he opened up the door. I'm breaking fellowship. I'm going to do it myself. I don't need anybody. I'll just go back to serving God all on my own. Well, good luck with that. That's a lie of the devil. See, Satan in the garden said he, was a, he, became, he came as a snake because a snake is the most subtle, the most sneakiest. You know, one of the things I don't miss about up north is that we don't have as many snakes. I haven't had to kick a snake out of my house since we've been there. Every year I'd be a snake in my house somewhere. And I can usually tell because I could hear Jackie yell. And... Uh, and snakes get everywhere, and they can sneak up on you so quick. I remember taking wood out of a wood pile, 
and I grabbed a hold of a snake. And it was about a five-foot black snake. And it's the only time that uh, I was quite heavy then, but you seen a fat boy dancing in the side yard. And I beat that snake to death. You know, it got me moving. But they can get right up on you. Satan can get right up on you. He can get right up on you. In fact, Satan is so sneaky that he, he tricked Adam and Eve, which is amazing. Adam and Eve were in the garden. They had everything. They had no... Would you, would you imagine what it would be like to get up in the morning without having to, to, uh, to stretch or crack something? I don't remember those years. It's been a while now. Every day I got to get up, I, there's a couple stretches I do to make my day go well. It has to do with my back. You know, and it, they didn't have that. And I don't think they had like a sleep master number or nothing either. I think they just might have slept on the ground and been all right. But they knew no sickness. They knew no pain. They knew what it was to walk in God's presence every day. And somehow Satan, Satan got them to believe that this very God that has given them everything, that is the very life that they breathe, this very God is holding them back. I'm telling you what, Satan is good at deceiving people. He's very good at deceiving people. He's deceived millions of people into hell for eternity already, and he ain't done. And there's a lot of people who I'll watch do things, well, God, I believe God told me, and I was like, God, no, God, that ain't God. Get in your word. Get in your word. That ain't God. He'll, he'll deceive. He's very crafty. He's very deceitful. <coughs> Satan attacks churches so hard, and he does it for that very reason. If he can kill redeeming relationships, if he can make us so busy that we don't have time for relationships, another way he does it. I'm so busy. I don't have time. I'm so busy. I got time for everything I want to have time for. And I do more than a lot of people do. I can work 12 hours a day. I can get home and I can do stuff for eight or nine more hours. I can, we can do funerals. We can do everything else. We can do Bible studies. We're trying to start two churches about at the same time in two different locations. You can have time for everything you want time for. That other deal is just an excuse that sounds good. I'm too busy. I don't have time. I don't have time. The enemy loves it. Yeah, stay by yourself. You don't have time. Stay in your own deal. Watch, in fact, watch those TV evangelists. That's good enough for you. I wish, sometimes I wish some TVs would just burn up, every one of them. And Christians have to get back where they open up their Bibles again and start talking to God. Christians have to go see their neighbors and have to have fellowship instead of doing this false imitation. And I, I say not false because of preaching, I'm saying the false imitation part is that people take, let that be the place of what relationship's supposed to be. God, God called us into all truth, and here's part of his truth. Don't forsake the gathering of yourself together. And that gathering doesn't mean that we just get in the same place for a couple minutes and leave. It means the assembling of yourself together. There's a part where every joint supplies, and somewhere I need to be connected to people in the church. And when we begin to do what God wants, we begin to look like a body instead of just people who get together once a week. Amen? Or people who just know a lot because I watch the best preachers on TV we got some Christians who know a lot more than we live a lot. It's more about living, amen? More about that living every day. Okay, the third, third one. When it comes to understanding and overcoming the lion, you need to understand that he's territorial. Satan is territorial. Um, even animals in the wild are. Uh, when you go on different, I, I just love the safari things because the wild animals, we go to different safaris, you'll run into many different animals out there and you'll run into ones that are territorial and the only way that they'll kill you is if you leave, if you run. In fact, elephants will charge you, but if you don't run, they'll stop. Lions many times won't attack unless you run. In fact, that's why they love to scare the herd. They produce fear and they get everybody running in different directions. Uh, I have a guy right now, uh, I dispatch an energy company, and uh, I work with a lot of ones, uh, but I've got a couple new drivers that I think some of our supervisors got tired of dealing with because they were kind of uh, sissy, can you say sissy-ish? Is that a word? Sissified. Yeah, I like that one better, sissified. And so anyways, they're, they're, uh, I got, they're afraid of dogs. 
and they're working on a reservation, delivering to people's houses all through the reservation, propane and fuel. And they're afraid of dogs. And I was like, are you kidding me? And so they all call me, there's a dog looking at me. I said, well, there's probably a dog looking at everybody. What difference does that make? Get out and get your work done. You know, and they're just, just scared to death. Finally, I sat down with them, and we had, a, we had to kind of come to Jesus. I, I think that's why the supervisors gave them to me, because they knew after a while I'd have enough. And I sit down and say, okay. And I said, here's the thing. We're going to have to find you a job in some other place besides here. Because you are so full of fear. If I had a hamster in this room, my hamster would attack you. And it would probably kill you. Well, I never is it. You are. You're the biggest chicken I ever met. And the th- truth is, unless you start bucking up and being a man and get out there and do these deliveries, you're going to be out. And, and, and he said, well, you're just picking on me. He said, no, I'm talking to you straight. I said, continue on the way you're going. One of these supervisors is going to pull you up front and they're going to fire you. And then you'll find out what it is for someone to be a jerk because you'll see it in that moment. I'm telling you, 99% of dogs will not attack you. He said, well, what if one tries to attack you? I said, I will try to kill that dog before he bites me. I said, here's what you need to know. I'm bigger than that dog. That dog don't rule me. The minute you run, the most docile dog will chase you and even bite you. Satan is the same way. My guys are doing better, by the way. They kind of, they got it into gear, you know. And every time they say, I had a hard time today, I said, was there a dog? No, there wasn't a dog. (laughs) They're tired of hearing the dog jokes, too. Uh, but uh, if you run, I mean, he'll get you. In First Timothy, it tells us, or Second Timothy chapter 1 and verse 7, it says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear. Who's given us a spirit of fear if God hasn't given it to us? That's the main tool of the enemy. If I can just make you afraid. I, I'm, so, you're, I'm afraid I'm going to lose my job. I'm afraid I'm going to lose my family. I'm afraid someone's going to reject me. I'm afraid this is going to happen. I'm afraid to be alone. I'm afraid to be this. He'll use everything he can to fear, fear, fear. And what that fear does usually doesn't chase you towards the things of God. It rushes you away. I'm afraid of being alone, so I grab a hold of anything I can grab a hold of, so I'm alone. Good luck with that. <laughs> That'll turn out dandy. I'm afraid of this. I'm afraid of that. The thing I fear has come upon me, one guy said in the Bible. Why? Because fear is an open door. Hey, if you're afraid of being alone, you probably are going to be. Because the very thing you fear is going to come upon you. If you're afraid of people taking advantage of you, they will. If you're afraid the enemy is going to come after you, then he probably will. He'll be like that dog. He'll see you running. I had one of, my, one of my good friends I grew up with. He was so afraid of horses. And he, and he bought a horse. I'm not sure why. Um, I remember Gwendol. And he bought this horse. And it was an Appaloosa quarter horse mix. It was a feisty horse. And it liked to run. And when he got on it, he didn't want to ever walk. He just wanted to run. In fact, after bareback so many days, we found a saddle. It was easier to stay on it. Um, but that horse had him so afraid. And he would lash out at that horse. He got on there with a stick that one day, and he whopped the horse. I was like, I don't think I'd do that if I was you. And he was bareback, too. And I was like, you shouldn't be hitting that horse. And he's like, oh, that's going to listen to me. And he was, as he was afraid. He was trying to be tough because he was afraid. He didn't make it halfway across the yard, and that horse reached around and bit his knee and threw him off. And then he was really afraid of that horse. <laughs> Then after that, I got on the horse, and he was just fine. He was a good horse. He just liked to run. And then he forgot Lucy had to chase him like 10 miles because he liked to play You Can't Catch Me. <laughs> that was his favorite game in the world, You Can't Catch Me. But that fear, the enemy smells it. He sees it. In fact, it says God has given us a spirit, he said, but he's given us a spirit of power and of love and, a, and of a sound mind or of discipline or of peace. There's something about it when that spirit of fear, the enemy will come rushing at you and he'll try to bring a fear into you. Every time that you begin to to walk in Christ and I'm I'm making a stride, I'm having a breakthrough, I'm growing in God, I see something happening. I see the next step in God. I begin to get ready to take that step. As soon as I do, fear comes at you. Why? Because that's what that spirit of fear. It's that roaring lion comes up and starts roaring and tries to get you to, to panic and fear and run the other way. 
He tries to get you in that place where you, where you, you have nowhere to go. But if you'll stand your ground, if you learn how to stand your ground when the fear, listen, when fear comes, up in native country, when anybody sees a bald eagle, they're like, oh, hey, that's a good sign. It'll be a good day today. You know what? When that fear comes, here's what you need to say. Hey, that's going to be a good sign. Satan's afraid. And he knows my day of breakthrough is coming. And he just showed his hand. Because not only did God tell me it's coming, not only do I know it by his spirit, even the devil can see it coming now. It's coming. And just before that breakthrough, if the enemy can get you afraid, I'm afraid. I'm going to have to go back into my old lifestyle. I'm afraid. I was going to serve God, but I don't think I could serve God because now I'm afraid. If I really start serving God, I'm afraid that I could not have the things that I think I need to be okay. I'm afraid that I'll be short. I'm afraid that I won't have enough. Listen, serving Jesus, my worst day in, in, in walking with Christ is still better than my best day without him. Because even my best day without him, I was empty and I was broken and there was parts wrong with me that no one could fix except for him. But now even on my worst day, I have peace. On my worst day when everybody says, it ain't gonna, it's going to go bad, it ain't going to work, I can still hear his voice saying, it's going to be okay, my son. We're going to make it. When I look out at the storm, instead of seeing the storm and, and just being worried by the storm, I can hear the father's voice saying, don't worry. That storm's going to pass. Everything's going to be fine. Just keep walking. Keep trusting me. Keep believing in me. It's going to come to pass. See, there's something about it that when we begin to walk in that spirit of love and power, where I begin to love Jesus so much, I don't care. I love Jesus enough. If Satan kills me in the middle of a battle, I'd be okay. But here's the truth. He don't have permission to kill me in this battle. Amen? Lord told me a long time ago, he said, well, one, he told me when I was younger, he told me to quit picking fights because I like to pick fights. And, uh, and uh, I, would, I would go pick fights. I would, like, go around a medicine man guy just to mess with him because it was fun. <laughs> you, know, you know, Glenn, you ever have that word, inkling, where you want to do that? Yeah, there, a lot of guys who mess with a lot of native religion up there, actually, they're messing with demonic spirits, and they do mess with spirits. They're real spirits. And um, there's a couple guys I know. In fact, one of them who's, who's one of a strong guy in our church, his name is Benji Goodbird. He came out of doing all that stuff. He came out of uh, actually a tradition of one of the main holy men that comes, comes down his lineage. And I've talked to him, and he's, and he's like, we, before I knew Christ, he said, we would get together, and when we seen Christians who are real Christians, we would pray against them every week. He said, we would make sacrifices, and we would build monuments of sacrifice to curse them. It's a demonic deal. And so when you run into some of these guys, there's demons running their life. And they're not just kind of running, they're running their life. And so when I found that out, when I was out, uh, when I was a young man, I'd be around, and they couldn't stand it because I just prayed, Lord, let your presence come in this room. And they would start freaking out. They start sweating. They start, they start running around. Sometimes they would get up and they would, they would leave. We had one medicine man, they paid like $10,000 to come do a training where I worked years ago. And when he came in, I, I prayed, say, Lord, let your presence be here and let the voice of the enemy be shut. And went up, I said, how are you? I, I introduced myself. I shook his hand. He starts shaking like a wet dog. He got in his car and then they could never find him again. He disappeared. He went back down to South Dakota and didn't come back. And I, started, I was like, you know, this is fun. <laughs> you know, Satan torments me. I think I, should have, I ought to be able to torment him, you know. And after a while, the Lord said, could you quit picking fights? He said, here's the thing. Live for me and walk for me and walk in what I have. And every fight that comes to you, you're going to win because I'll never fail you. Every fight you're going to win because I'll never fail you. He said, just stop picking all these other fights. I'll bring the fights to you so you can win. Listen, there's something about it. When Christ is with us, we're going to win. When he's with us, well, who can be against us? There's something that gets it where it begins to take that fear out of your life. And there is a natural fear that tells you things like, don't touch that thing because it's too hot, you're going to get burned. And, you know, there, you don't be stupid. But there's, there's, a, there's a part of you where when the enemy comes at you in the middle of a battle and, and he's on you, there's something about it where I don't have to fear. Why? Because the Lord is with me. And his presence is with me. His angels are with me. His spirit is with me. Nothing can, be, can overtake me in that moment. Why? Because he's still with me. 
And it doesn't matter what happens in that moment. I know I'm okay in him. I know I'm okay in him. But the minute you start to run, he loves doing this to, to young believers and immature believers. He loves doing this to, to get them in a place where he can chase them away from God for a season. Be afraid. Be afraid because you're, you're going to miss out. You ain't going to have enough. You're not smart enough. You're not good enough. You've got to get out in the world and get advantage of what the world has because you can't do it in Christ. You can't do it in him. It's the same lie he's, he told Adam and Eve. You've got to go, you find a different source because God will not get you where you need to get. God will not take you as far as you can go. You need something else. You need something else. You know what? We don't need anything else, do we? God, God's our provider. If he wasn't our provider, we'd be in trouble. I'm not my provider. I work hard at everything I do, but I work hard because I like to agree with what God's doing. I don't work hard because I think I'm the, I'm the one who does all, all the wealth to me. Why? He's the one who provides all wealth, not me. He's the one who provides prosperity. He's the one who, thank God we got a job, amen? We, we got a job, we're working. Praise God. Sometimes we don't like our job, that's all right. But God's keeping us. Through the good, the bad, and the ugly, he'll keep us. We don't have to be, we don't have to be afraid. And that spirit, it's interesting, it says spirit of power and love. And I like that. But it's also talking about the spirit of discipline. The spirit of a sound mind. Because part of that, that fights that is that discipline of knowing. How many know that feelings come and go? Feelings and faith ain't the same. You can have faith, and you can feel that you have faith. And you can have faith and be shaken like a wet dog, too. There's sometimes it's like, Lord, I trust you. That's all I got. <laughs> I remember we had a deal, was it uh, about a year ago? I had a deal where, uh, where my wife, uh, we were after church. I thought she was having a heart attack. Uh, we, we got stuff ready. We were going home. And she, she said, stop the car. She said, I hurt so bad I can't stand it. She said, I can't breathe. And she went to get out, and her arms started to cramp up. And, and I thought she was having a, either a stroke or heart attack. And I was like, oh, my. And the ambulance was right down. We went to the ambulance. I was following her down, and as I was following her, I could hear the voice saying to me, you're going to lose your wife. You're going to lose you. I began to hear that. In that moment, something began to rise up in me. And it was God's spirit, that spirit of discipline began to raise up. And I began to say, Lord, all I know is I trust you. I trust you with our life. I trust you with our death. There's nothing done outside of what you have can be done to us. And I trust you with my wife. And a peace of God began to flood over my soul. It began to just come over me. And I had nothing else. I didn't, I didn't get in that place where I began to be super spiritual and begin to say, hey, I pray against that spirit in the name of Jesus. You know, I teach how to pray. I want to God, I trust you. You're my God. I don't even know what's going on, God, but I trust you. I don't know what the end is going to be, but it doesn't matter because even in the end, if the end ain't what I want, I still trust you because you're my God and you've never let me down. And you're my wife's God and you've never let her down. And if she didn't went to be with Jesus that day, I still would trust him. Listen, there has to be something on the inside of us that doesn't run every time the enemy comes at us with fear. Because like that wild dog, it'll come after us. Listen, there's so many people in God's kingdom who will never see their destiny or their call of God filled because they're afraid. I don't know how many ones I run into at different times that God has called them to do something, and they never do it. Why? Because the fear of that roaring lion keeps them in a place where they live half-hearted for Jesus instead of stepping out and saying, I'm going to trust him even though I don't know what the outcome is. I'm going to trust him even though I don't know how this is going to look. I don't know how it's going to be. I trust him anyways. I'm going to do what God said. Instead, a lot of times people listen to the voice of the enemy and says, well, let's just not think about that. Let's just put that in a dark closet and hide it and not do those things and just live on this easy type of faith. It's really quiet in here today. This easy faith. I know God put things in my heart, but I don't want to step out and do what God put in my heart. Because that roaring lion starts roaring and I start shaking on the inside. But God said, I haven't given you a spirit of fear, 
Listen, fear that cripples us is not from God. Fear that paralyzes us. I can't step out and say who I am in God. I can't step out and even share with people, share with people what God has told me. Why? Because I've got fear of the roaring lion roaring and it's echoing in my soul. And instead of being full of love and power and a sound mind, I let this spirit have an open door into my life. And when I first started to preach, I had to wrestle with fear for a long time. I used to come up front to preach and I'd be scared to death. I'd be shaking so bad. And, and I used to think, God, why are you having me do this? He says, because I am and you're going to obey me. And I was like, man, I knew I had to obey him, but I didn't like it. And then someone called me pastor one time, and I was like, could you please not call me that? <laughs> didn't like that either. What was happening? I was wrestling because the enemy kept on tormenting me. And for Sunday after Sunday, you go through, you're like, man, why? I'm afraid every Sunday. I was like, oh, man, it's like, hey, what a great week. And like, oh, it's Friday. Oh, no, it's only two more days. That was a pastor. Oh, no, only two more days till Sunday. You know, and Saturday, you're like, oh, no, I hope Saturday lasts forever because tomorrow I got to preach. <laughs> you're, you're, you're sweating it out. You're full of what? The enemy roars like a lion to get you to keep from being who you're supposed to be. To keep you back from being who you're supposed to be. He roars like a lion and says, you can't speak to somebody about Jesus. They might think you're weird. They might think you're off. They might think something's wrong with you. You can't talk about Jesus somewhere. Listen, there's a lot of things in my life I might be ashamed of, but I'm not ashamed of Jesus. Listen, he's the one who saved my soul. When heaven and earth pass away and I stand before him and him alone, that's the moment I'm shooting for. I could care less what people got to say for me down here. Amen? People can say, well, he's just weird. He's strange. I don't care what they say. I care about what he has to say. And there's something about it where it says the fear of men is a snare unto your soul. Why? Because it has a lot to do with that fear of that roaring lion. It keeps you back from being who you're supposed to be. The young Marine I got to talk to, man, I was so glad I got to talk to him. Years ago when I, when I talked to somebody about Jesus, I'd have to work up the courage. Oh, Lord, please help me. If this is really you, give me a sign. <laughs> You know, I got to get, get a couple signs from God to even tell somebody about Jesus because I'm so scared. <laughs> and, and here's a sign. It's in your Bible. What? You have the ministry of reconciliation to bring people to God. Let them know. Time is short. No, don't, don't, don't uh, you take advantage of it. You can go through here and I can find you verse after verse that shows you that if anything, we shouldn't be wrestling with that. But we do. Why? Because that roaring lion starts roaring and all of a sudden I got to listen to that roaring lion. What do they say? They were your friend. They might not be your friend. Hey, here's what I found a long time ago. God tells me who my friends are. And a lot of times when he tells me someone's my friend, they're not even saved yet. I'm like, all right, they're my friend. (laughs) You know what that means to me? That means that I'm the friend. And I'll find a way to get to know them, and I will have a relationship with them, and I'll I'll, I'll come to see them know Christ. Because he's told me, he said, that's your friend. And what he's telling me, he's like, there's one right there, Damon. You can can go after that one. He's going to be your friend, and they are my friends to this day. Many are. And I haven't had them just turn. And I've had some get mad and some whatever. It don't matter. I had a brother-in-law who used to get so mad when I tell him about Jesus when I first got saved. And he passed away here some years ago. And, but he, and he was a jerk. Oh, man, was he a jerk. I got, I got several brother-in-laws. And it splits down the middle. Half are nice and half are jerks. Uh, but he was like one of the king jerks on that side. And uh, he would come to church just to get on my nerve. I, I really think that was his plan. I think he was, I, I think his name was Satan and he came to church to bother me. He wasn't saved. He wouldn't give his heart to the Lord and he just said, you know all the things you're doing wrong in church? And I told him one day after church, I said, what difference does it make what I'm doing wrong in church? I said, if you die, you'd be in hell anyways. So let's just be honest. You're playing games. Maybe it's time you come get serious with Jesus instead of running your mouth all the time. I didn't see him for several years. And he come back to me when I seen him. I'm like, oh, no, not him again. I was like, oh, man, I don't even want to see this guy. He came up, he gave me a hug. He was so happy. He's like, I've given my heart to Jesus, and I'm serving Jesus. And I just want to thank you that you would tell me the truth about who Jesus is. And I thought, I would never think that. I would think if he never talked to me again, thank you, Jesus. You know, if he never see me again, praise God. <laughs> I was like kind of giving up on that one. We'll just throw that fish back. Maybe it'll never be big enough to catch, you know. And <laughs> you get that deal, but here's the thing is somewhere it doesn't matter what other people think. 
It doesn't matter what they say. Is there a real life Jesus on the inside of you? Is there a real life Jesus? Are, are, is God giving you a spirit of love and power and of discipline that overcomes that roaring lion? Or does that roaring lion begin to dictate to you what you're going to do in your life? See, when I come into work, I'm still the strongest person in my workplace. Why? Because I carry the living Christ with me. All they carry with them is the junk that they have from an from a enemy and from this world that's a fallen world. That's all they have. They don't have Jesus. They ain't got a clue. But I bring something different. And that spirit of fear don't work. It don't work on me. That spirit of fear, in fact, I, I hate that spirit of fear. I hated it before I was saved even. I hate that spirit of fear. I, I'd rather get beat up and thrashed and thrown in a ditch than sit there being afraid all the time. I just can't stand it. I fear because it's a demonic thing. Yet in this Christian world, many times we make excuses for our fear instead of repenting and say, God, forgive me. Forgive me for being afraid. Help me shut that door. God, I gave Satan that ground. I gave him that ground. When it came to my relationships, I've walked with people and I don't even talk to him about Jesus. Forgive me for doing that. You gave me ground that I could take in your name, and instead of taking in your name, I let the devil have that ground. Now he owns that. This is, this is something to think about sometimes, Glenn. I, I tell you, there's something about it that, that we understand the gates of hell will not prevail against the church of God. What does that mean? That doesn't mean that the gates of hell are beating up on the church. It means that the church has the power to break in the very gates of hell and pull people out of the fire. It doesn't mean that we're the sissy. It means the world's a sissy. It just likes to roar a lot and act like it's tough. Some of the most demonic groups of people out there are the loudest voices in our country. And if you don't think there's demonic stuff, watch the news. There's demonic voices speaking all the time about foolish, ridiculous things that are antichrist. And they roar and they roar and they roar. And why are we afraid? We shouldn't be afraid of nothing. I talked to ones and I said, let me tell you about Jesus. Let me tell you about who he is. Why? Because that's my ground. What did, what did, what did God say to Joshua? Everywhere your feet touches, I'm going to give it to you. You know what? God will give us ground. But a lot of times what happens is if we let fear come in, we give that ground right back to the devil. We give it right back to the devil. God, you've given me relationships. Are we bringing those relationships to Christ? Or are we just letting them relationships be ungodly relationships? Have we given it back to the devil? Amen, Pastor. I still like doing that. <clears throat> Have we given that workplace over to the carnal things of this world, over to Satan? Or do we really have a claim for Christ in that workplace? There's something powerful about that. There's something very powerful about that. And the thing is, is that if you begin to give the enemy ground, he just don't take that ground. He'll take more ground. If that dog can get you running one time, he knows next time he can get you running again too. And if you stop, stop running halfway, you might be able to fight him off, but it'll be harder fighting him off than it would have if you just sort of stood your ground the first time. There's something about that. The enemy knows it. It's how he works. And God wants us to be wise he wants us to be in a place where we begin to know how the enemy acts so we can overcome him. Listen, we need to overcome him. There's too many in this world, there's too many people in, that call themselves Christians in the church of God. Not, I'm not talking the denomination church of God, I'm talking the universal church of Christ that leave open doors for the enemy and everything. They're so afraid the enemy has rule. If you got fear, Satan's got a door. If you're walking in darkness, Satan's got a door. And he won't just take that. He'll take everything else. He'll take other relationships. He'll do, if, you don't have, if you're not in a place where, where you can really begin to fend him off in your life, if you're not in a place where you can begin to walk in unity in God's kingdom, you're going to have an open door. Listen, there's safety. You know what I like about our church website here? Is people pray for each other. 
and don't gossip. Amen. That's a good way to get kicked off too. So boxing and gossiping, it's been done before. <laughs> it's like, hey, this is God's deal. This ain't, somebody, this ain't the devil's deal. But you know what I like is that when something comes up, people start praying. Why? There's power in unity. Because I can put 1,000 to flight, but if I start saying, hey, Brother Mike, let's pray together, there's 10,000 we can have to flight. I get a hold of Caleb and say, hey, Caleb, let's pray together. Oh, man, we're 100,000. Now we can start doing some business. You know, they start getting some more together. Say, hey, let's start praying. If God is for us, who can be against us? The answer is nobody. Satan ain't the opposite of God. Satan's a fallen. His power is the power to deceive. And if we let him deceive us, he has power. If we let him trick us, he has power. But that's up to us. And one of the main things we need to do is get back into Christ, back into his light, back into his word. Let's all bow our heads for a moment. And right now, <clears throat> I'm just going to pray and then I'm, I'm going to ask a couple things. Holy Spirit, I pray that you just begin to speak to our hearts right now. Lord, we might know some things here and there, but only you know what's in our heart. And I ask that you begin to speak to us. I ask you begin to show us things. Things, Lord, that maybe we've left some doors open. It's so easy to do. It's so easy to do, Lord. Show us doors that are open for the enemy and show us how to shut them. For every door, there's a way to shut it. And it has to do with walking with you and your people. And right now, is that I, I do want it, no one looking around. How many know that there's some open doors? There's just been open doors and, and you've had them. Because we're going to pray that specifically. I can see different ones. There's open doors. Listen, here's the reality. We're going to pray and God's going to start shutting doors but you're going to have to agree with them every day to keep that door shut. Amen? Lord, right now, in Jesus' name, Lord, I pray, Lord, that you begin to help us to, to shut doors. Lord, I pray that every one of those things, every one of those lies of the enemy that we've believed in and that we've allowed, Lord, that you begin to expose those things, that you bring us into light, Lord, that you begin to shut the doors that, that shouldn't be open, Lord God. Take us out of fear. Take us out of the darkness, Lord God. Take us out of that place of being isolated into a place of having real relationship in your body, Lord God. Don't let us be like those who, who speak your name but live like we're a shipwreck, Lord God. Or let that change, Lord, in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Fear.